quick editor's note. This uh, podcast was recorded on Saturday the 6th, but something went wrong with the video um, making software that I had. I tried deleting files. I tried everything. It ran all the way through Sunday, and it would not complete the video. So we're going old school. I've taken all the files, using that storyboard, and I put it together on Audacity. Uh, hopefully Wednesday, if everything works out good, we're going to have another podcast, and we're just going to put it straight on Audacity and just go the old route until I can uh, purchase a good video program. I'm looking at a couple. Uh, the Microsoft video program is not working with Windows 11 for shit. I even tried to make small files, and it just wouldn't complete the file. So enjoy the audio version, and it sounds a little like this. Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Hello everyone, I'm Natalia Godilla. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair and I go by she, her. I'm a product marketing lead here at Microsoft and co-host of the podcast Security Unlocked with this guy. Yes, that would be me. Hello everyone, I'm Nick Fillingham. I'm a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. I go by he, him, and I'm a security evangelist here at Microsoft. We are so excited to be with you. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border, up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under, under the last administration. That's not going to happen. Okay, and then just a follow-up, because you mentioned Trump a couple times. When you went to try to help Terry McCullough in, uh, a couple weeks ago, before he left, you mentioned Trump 24 times. Do you still think that voters really want to hear you talking about Trump more than the issues affecting them every day? Well, the reason I mentioned Trump, if I didn't count the times, is because the issues he supports are affecting their lives every day and there are negative impact on their lives. Thank you all very much. And I, I guess I shouldn't apologize, but I do apologize for the fact the United States, uh, the last administration, pulled out of the Paris Accords and put us sort of behind the eight ball. Uh, the first thing I did when elected, I see my friend nodding his head over there because we talked about this before while I was running. The two candidates spent the weekend trying to drum up last-minute support 
One key issue for Youngkin, opposition to the teaching of critical race theory in schools. The curriculum is not taught in Virginia schools, and McAuliffe has called the tactic a racist dog whistle. show political newcomer and businessman Glenn Youngkin statistically tied with McAuliffe, focusing on talking points Republicans have seized on nationwide, like the economy and education. Parents have a right to be engaged in their kids' education. We have a brand new NBC News poll out this morning. It's filled with some scary news for the Democrats. The overarching message, Americans have lost their confidence in President Biden and their optimism for the country. At least they have right now. Just 22% of adults say we're headed in the right direction. A shocking 71% say we're on the wrong track. And that includes a near majority of Democrats who are saying that. President Biden's approval rating stands at a dismal 42% versus 54% who disapprove. Believe it or not, just two months ago, Mr. Biden was in positive territory. 49% approving, 48% disapproving. So what's pulling down the president's numbers? Well, look at this set of numbers. Just 37% say he has the ability right now to handle a crisis versus nearly a majority who say he does not. 37% also say he's competent and effective as president. 50% disagree with that description. What's more, Republicans, believe it or not, have double-digit leads in dealing with border security, inflation, crime, national security, the economy, and shockingly, on getting things done. So, um, first black woman to be Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, talked about not wanting to hurt white people, white children, because of facts, critical race theory. Facts, truth hurts sometimes. But what did the president say about that? Did he respond or, or think anything about what she said? From She has a lofty perch or had a lofty perch. Yeah. For her to say something like that, that sent a ripple effect. Race was a driving issue in Virginia and around the country, uh, given Republicans repeatedly focusing on critical race theory. So, look, America, as you heard the president say before, is a great country. Uh, and uh, and great countries are honest, right? They have to be honest with themselves about the history, which is good, and, and the bad. And our kids should be proud to be Americans after learning that history. Uh, the president certainly, certainly is. Uh, fundamentally, we believe a school's curriculum isn't a federal decision. It's rightly up to communities around the country, the parents, the school, uh, the school board, the teachers, and the administrators. And that means that politicians should be dict dictating, should not be uh, dictating what our kids are being taught. But we also need to be honest here uh, about what's going on here. Republicans are lying. They're not being honest. They're not being truthful about where we stand. And they're, and they're cynically trying to use our kids as a political football. They're talking about our kids when it's, when it's election season, but they won't vote for, for them when it matters. You know, Republicans did not vote for the American Rescue Plan. The American Rescue Plan, in that plan, it had funding to make sure that schools were open, to make sure that our kids got back to school. And they didn't vote for that. And that was a key component of the American Rescue Plan. We know how important it is to make sure that our kids have in-person learning for their mental well-being and also so that they can actually learn. And so that is something that the Republicans refused, absolutely refused uh, to vote for. So we got to be honest here, and they're not being honest. They're being incredibly dishonest. Steve? And welcome to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 6th of November, year of our Lord, 2021. As you see me look at the bottom, because now it doesn't carry, because I got Windows 11. It's, it's just, ah, I had a perfect podcast. It was completely done, and all the audio files were corrupt. Um, because I... 
didn't check the mic. So we're going to do a cliff note version. As you can see, we just went through a plethora of lies. Uh, we're now talking about hairstyles, I guess, and buying on apology tour, uh, mansion and cinema getting attacked. Chuck Todd putting out facts and pissing off the audience. Uh, April Ryan not being a journalist. Lies from the podium. We still want to give money to the people that came here illegally. It's just rough. But before we go on, here, here's three more sound bites. You're going to have Aaron Rodgers, a conservative now. A racist on TV can be racist. And Granholm laughing about freaking gas prices. For sharing of, of information. It was such a witch hunt. They, they wanted to out and shame and denigrate every single person who didn't immediately say, oh, yeah, I got the, you know, Pfizer. I got the Moderna, whatever. I, I wanted it to go away. I, wasn't, I mean, everyone in the squad knew I was not vaccinated. Everyone in the organization knew I wasn't vaccinated. I wasn't hiding it from anybody. I was trying to minimize and mitigate having to have this conversation that would go on and on. And, and, and there were people in the media who somehow found out about it and, and been sitting on it for a couple months. Um, so it wasn't like this thing was just hidden until this week. Like, people knew it and they sat on it. At some point, I knew I was going to have to discuss it. And, you know, I was ready to discuss it. But the problem with this is it is so political. And health should not be political. It shouldn't be that, you know, Trump endorsed ivermectin and HCQ. And so take that shit off. It doesn't work. You know, I mean, in, in general, look at I think we all should have been a little hesitant when Trump in 2020 was championing these. Uh, vaccines that were coming so quick. What did the left say? And I'm talking about every member of the left. Don't trust the vaccine. Don't get the vaccine. You're going to die from the vaccine. And then what happened? Biden wins and everything flips. Shouldn't that initially give you a little bit of pause and go, hold on a second. Isn't this shit about health and not about like politics? And to that point, has any member of the health staff this entire time got up and actually talked about real health? Have they talked about exercise, a healthy diet, like eating real food, drinking water, taking vitamins, vitamin D deficiency, and, and what that causes in the body? No. There hasn't been any of that. So, hey, so I'm just, look, I'm going to critically think about what's best for my own health. I'm not judging anybody else. I'm not saying you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that, but I'm making a decision that's based on what's best for me and my own health. And for me, it was a no-brainer. Hey, you said the league knew of your situation and everything. Obviously, the problem is here they want they want white supremacy by ventriloquist effect. There is a black mouth moving, but a white idea through the running on the runway of the tongue of a figure who justifies and legitimates uh, the white supremacist practices. We know that we can internalize in our own minds, in our own subconscious, in our own bodies, the very principles that are undoing us. So to have a black face uh, speaking in behalf of a white supremacist legacy is nothing new. And it is to the chagrin of those of us who study race that the white folk on the other side and the right wingers on the other side don't understand this is politics one-on-one and this is race not even one-on-one what's beneath one-on-one it's the it's the pre-k of race you should understand the fact that if you tell black people look i support a negro look there is a person of color that i am in favor of 
of, and that person of color happens to undermine and undercut and subvert the very principles about which we are concerned, you do yourself no service by pointing to them. In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? Oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC. And they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. The Rogers bite is so fucking funny. I mean, that guy was so woke. He was broke. He broke Green Bay with everybody going to hold hands and blah, blah, blah. And then the whole time he's lying. He, he was never vaccinated. And that kind of blows the theory. It's just a bunch of mega fucking insurrectionists who don't want to get vaccinated. I'm just throwing it out there. But that Dyson could get on TV and say that and Graham Holm can laugh and laugh and laugh. You know, can't do it. Just can't do it. So you're going to get a lot of my opinion today because all the stories are gone. I've deleted all the stuff. I can't even reconstruct it. Uh, I, I do have some slides. But I, I also, when I started this, they're still going after Tucker. Domestic war on terror is here, is coming after half of the country. The helicopters have left Afghanistan, and now they've landed here at home. And the left is hunting the right, sticking them in Guantanamo Bay for American citizens, leaving them there to rot. We are dealing with an insurgency in the United States. Terrorism for white supremacy is the most lethal threat to homeland. I've been told that I'm a white nationalist. Me. FBI, put up your hands up. They've begun to fight a new enemy in a new war on terror. Not Al-Qaeda, white supremacy. False flags have happened in this country. One of which may have been January 6th. Tucker Carlson has created a terrorist recruitment video. Fox TV branching into fantasy programming. A new series from Tucker Carlson traffics in conspiracy theories surrounding the insurrection on January 6th. Tucker Carlson attempting to rewrite history around the January 6th insurrection. Tucker Carlson makes a tribute video to the terrorists. Tucker Carlson is hitting a new low, completely rewriting the history of the Capitol insurrection in a way that defies belief. Tuckums previewed a documentary that goes beyond the usual Daughters of the Confederacy rewrite of the January 6th insurrection to shameless lying and conspiracy mongering. Tucker Carlson is leaning way in to uh, disinformation regarding January 6th. And it's kind of terrifying because uh, what he's putting out there is just going to lead to more violence. It might be Tucker Carlson's most dangerous moment yet. Fox News' right-wing host is taking his assault on democracy to terrifying new heights. 
in a brand new series promising to tell the truth, he says, about January 6th. It actually appears to be nothing but a war on the truth. It's filled with lies about what led to the riot and the prosecution of the rioters and even includes a blatantly false assertion that the Capitol riot was a, quote, false flag operation. False flag. Anytime you don't like what your people did, you claim there was a false flag. Tucker is peddling some deeply dangerous propaganda that the insurrection was actually a false flag operation. What uh, Carlson is doing is unforgivable and, and, and really just uh, horrible. I, I want to say criminal, but technically that's not true, uh, although maybe it should be. Tucker Carlson is inciting violence. Isn't this just an incitement to another January 6th? Mm. Is that what Tucker Carlson wants? What Tucker Carlson is doing is going against the American people. The Murdoch family, which controls Fox, is cashing in as American democracy is being set ablaze. Why does Rupert Murdoch want to destroy America? The Murdochs and Tucker Carlson, their primetime pyromaniac, appear to be hellbent on dragging this country into a civil war. Jefferson Davis would be proud. As a person who's an adult and you, you know, watch things before you say they suck, I watched HBO and Tucker's and I don't see the difference. The difference is now we're saying, hey, this is just a political thing. We're going to fucking purge anybody who didn't vote like us. Abuse them. There's actually FBI agents trying to go into this prison. They denied them. Because they're in solitary confinement still. But yeah, we need to shut it up. Because once again, anything that's not what they think, it needs to go away. Which brings you to Kyle Rittenhouse. On a dangerous way, gun dealers are marketing their weapons, including violent threats against President Biden. One South Carolina gun dealer going as far as changing the inscription on the safety lever of its AR-15 rifle. Meanwhile, two other gun manufacturers are advertising AR-15 magazines with Let's Go Brandon stickers. That's a code phrase for a swearing insult at the president. NBC's Ken Delanian is breaking this story. So, Ken, folks may have a lot of questions, especially trying to understand what this Brandon thing is. Take us yeah. through your reporting. This is really the latest example of how volatile American politics has become, Joe. A South Carolina gun dealer called Palmetto State Armory is selling what is known as a lower receiver, which is essentially the guts of an AR-15 assault rifle branded Let's Go 15. And as you said, on the weapons fire selector, the expletive we can't say on television is next to the safety mode. The word Joe is next to the single shot mode. And the word Biden is next to the automatic firing mode. Now, after I got a tip about this, I came across two other companies marketing AR-15 ammunition magazines with Let's Go Brandon stickers on them. None of the companies have responded to our request for comments. I reached out to the Secret Service to see whether they consider this a threat against the president, but a spokesman declined to comment. So far, we have not heard from the White House. The phrase, let's go, Brandon, has become a right-wing code for expletive Joe Biden. It originated during a NASCAR race last month in Alabama when a driver named Brandon Brown was being interviewed by an NBC sports reporter. A nearby crowd was chanting something that was difficult to make out, and the reporter suggested that they were chanting, let's go, Brandon, to cheer the winning driver, but it became increasingly clear they were saying something else, blank Joe Biden. Now, several prominent Republicans have embraced this phrase recently, um, including members of the House and Senate. And really, Joe, the fact that a code phrase for profaning the U.S. president is now being used to market guns and ammunition suggests that the rage that was on display on January 6th. 
I think it's safe to say that the political discourse in the United States right now is not kind, right? No, not kind. There's a lack of kindness. The opposite of kindness. There is a rise in toxicity. Um, it's just there. And the question is, what do you do about it? What do you do about it as a person? How can you live your life when there's so much rage flying around everywhere? We're, we're lucky to have a friend who has written a book on just this subject, Kirsten Powers, CNN senior political analyst and USA Today columnist. She is author of the new book that is out today called Saving Grace, Speak Your Truth, Stay Centered, and Learn to Coexist with People Who Drive You Nuts. <laughs> so I've been waiting for this, because I remember talking to you about it two years ago, yeah. and I was just so excited to get my hands on it this weekend and read through it, because I feel like we all need some help here on how to navigate yes. this. Yes. Yes. And, and you say the answer is grace. I do. And I and I say it as a person who has been where everybody else has been, where I hit that and also I just hit that wall and said, This is unsustainable. I can't I can't keep doing this. I can't keep being in a constant rage all the time and hating, you know, half of the country and 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 I settled on this idea of grace, which I think a lot of people have a lot of mis idea they have that uh, a lot of people when they think of grace they think of uh rolling over being nice letting people do whatever they want and that's not what grace is and so i use the christian paradigm but you don't need a christian to be a christian to use this which is unmerited favor and so it's just the idea of looking at other people and seeing the humanity in them and 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 you see that not because of anything they've done not because you like them not because they think like you do but because you just recognize that, like, this is another... Now, in this section that got totally wiped the fuck out because of Windows fucking 11, we covered how literally, and it was 10 minutes, all the stories that they did off this, they tried to get a guy in Southwest fired. It was an AP reporter doing a story about the vulgarity of the right saying, fuck Biden. Yeah, that, that was a story. Like, we don't remember... All the fuck Trump merch, everybody going online, every article saying fuck Trump, everybody's a fucking Nazi, you don't think like us, you're a racist, homophobe, xenophobe, Nazi, 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 Nazi. This lady was lionized, she ran for fucking office, there's whole pieces about how awesome she is, what a hero she is. But let's go, Brandon is the epitome of Satan. We're talking Satan. At least conservatives have the ability to fucking just say, let's go, Brandon. You guys said, fuck Biden or fuck Trump. Trump needs to get a bullet in him. Those are actual comments done by journalists. And then to make matters worse before we go into all the pre and hubbub Charlottesville was a bad day. It was a bad day for America. But where the fuck is that damn picture? This is what the left did in Virginia. Because everything is racist. It's all racist. All the time. Racist, racist, racist. So they go into everything as racist. 
Just remember, they staged it in typical liberal fashion. They even had a black guy and a girl. It was inclusive. Just so they wouldn't lose a governor race. Someone ought to tell Senator Ted Cruz that when you're defending Nazi salutes at school board meetings, you're already losing. Involve a Nazi salute. That's one of the examples. My God, a parent did a Nazi salute at a school board because they thought the, the, the policies were oppressive. General Garland is doing a Nazi salute at an elected official. Is that protected by the First Amendment? Yes, it is. Of course, the issue here isn't the First Amendment. The issue is the galloping insanity that's infecting our civic life. Where even mock Nazi salutes can be rationalized because they've been normalized, in large part by right-wing members of Congress' performative outrage over mask and vaccine mandates during America's deadliest pandemic. This drumbeat of disinformation has resulted in unhinged accusations, harassment, and threats directed at school board members across the United States. We, we know who we you know are. Who you are. We, know we know who you are. You can leave freely, but we will find you, and we know you who you are. You will never be alone in public again. And I'm going to come for everybody. So as you can see, fists are now flying, all of this on live television. You are allowing child abuse. You, with your snotty little face, you're allowing it as well. Now, hey, John, please don't resist. Please don't resist. This is an unlawful arrest. And because I chose to speak, I'm now being arrested. None of this is normal. Not this side of the debates, anyway. And it was in response to these reports, as well as a request from the National School Board Association for federal help, that Attorney General Merrick Garland released a memo on October 4th ordering federal law enforcement to meet with state and local authorities to discuss strategies for dealing with this disturbing trend. And in the very first paragraph, Garland wrote that while spirited debate about public policy matters is protected under our Constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. But the order was intentionally mischaracterized as part of a government plot to de designate concerned parents domestic terrorists a distortion that was repeated over and over again on right-wing talk TV over the past few weeks. And because many Republican senators seem to get their information mainly from partisan echo chambers, at yesterday's hearing with Garland, they kept referring to those mischaracterizations as fact, rather than apparently actually reading the memo. I just have to ask you, would you really honestly put parents in the same category as a Terry Nichols or a Timothy McVeigh? My God, absolutely not. Then why, why would you ever release a memo? It is so over the top. Senator, there's nothing in the memo that, uh, that in any way draws any comparison, anything like that. This memo is about violence and threats of violence. Sir, I have to tell you that that may be your opinion. And you know, many times perception is reality. And that's in some ways the crux of the problem. There is no reference to parents or terrorism in the Garland memo. None. And that's not a matter of opinion. That's a matter of fact. And as the late Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan used to remind us, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but not their own facts. But that's what we're missing in America right now common sense and common decency and common facts. And that's a result of this hyperpartisan misinformation efforts that create a perception of oppression
false perceptions can then be used to justify irrational rage. It's an extension of why bowing down to the big lie is still so dangerous. Because only fanatics don't care about facts. And that's your reality check. David, there has been a lot of early turnout already. Uh, do you dare to make a prediction of what happens here? Well, the, the last week has been pretty good for Yunkin, so um, the early turnout would probably be a little more McAuliffe side. You know, I think it's close because the economy has suffered because of the Delta variant uh, and because of cultural issues. I think the, the swing in the last week can only be the cultural issues, the school board issues. There's a case of, it's more complicated than Republicans are making it out to seem, but a, a sexual assault in a, in a girl's bathroom with a fluid gender guy as the, as the per alleged perpetrator. And so that, that suddenly turned into a big thing. Uh, and so it's a question, is are people from outside or a certain teacher or education schools imposing values that we don't agree with on us and imposing them on our kids. And that has made a lot of people angry. And I think that's the issue of the last week that has really seized people. And how the Democrats let themselves get on the wrong side of that issue is a bit of a mystery to me. It's a no-brainer that people have very diverse views on gender and all this stuff. And you've got to show you have room for all kinds of views in your party on that. And you're not some tool of the left. So if Democrats lose this, though, what does that say? What's the message? Well, the first message is you can't defeat every Republican just by talking about Donald Trump a lot. And so that'll send shockwaves to the Democratic Party. If they lose this in a plus 10 Democratic state, it will be a bit of panic time for Democrats, I would think. Jonathan, it, would show, it would show that fear and anger um, win the day. The fact that we're having a conversation about critical race theory that is not taught in public schools in Virginia, it just goes to show how Republicans have decided that picking at white grievance um, and, you know, tap dancing with white supremacy is their way back into power. And if Glenn Youngkin wins, um, yeah, the Democrats should be afraid because fear works. And, you know, I, I like to say, you know, whiteness is a hell of a drug. And going into the midterm elections, we will see just how successful it can be. Um, first of all, it's not over. Um, you do have the, the grassroots uh, folks out there uh, fighting for this on the Democratic Party side. The stakes are high. Uh, when this election is over in Virginia, we will know, have we seen the emergence of the Delta variant of Trumpism? The Delta variant of Trumpism. In other words, Yunkin, uh, same disease, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places. The suburbs, if they fall to him, you well, now... That's implying that, yeah. that Yunkin is more dangerous than uh, well, the president, former well, president. No, no, more easy to spread. Okay. Because, oh. be, more more easy, easy to spread. Because if you, if you look at what he's doing, he is playing footsie with the worst of Trump. He's, he's putting himself forward as a champion of parents. He's, he, this is a referendum on parents' rights. But he's not talking about, but he's, he's using the, all the critical race theory, uh, uh, head fakes and head nods, is a softer version of a very uh, uh, virulent kind of anti-black uh, 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 posture. And so I think we're, we're, uh, this is a very big deal because if this is a pathway, if you can flirt with Trumpism, if you can flirt with Trump and still put and, and still win in the suburbs, that's a new development for us. Scott, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just have to totally disagree with <laughs> virtually everything you just said. You tell me why. Dem, I'll tell you why. Because Democrats, since January the sixth, really since Donald Trump got elected, but let's go back to January the sixth, have demanded, asked for, begged for, pleaded for Republican candidates who would not do what you just said, which is you know, embrace Trumpism and, and sort of run the kinds of races and style that he runs. Youngkin has rejected it. 
He has said it was wrong. He wasn't part of it. Donald Trump hasn't been in Virginia campaigning for him. In fact, there is a pent-up demand, in my opinion, to make America boring again with standard-issue, run-of-the-mill conservative Republican candidates like Glenn Youngkin and like the candidates who did well down ballot in 2020. So a Republican comes along and does exactly what everybody says they want, which is, hey, let's have Republicans who don't act like Donald Trump. And you still beat them about the head and neck and claim they are Donald Trump. And then Joe Biden takes it a step further and says, hey, watch out, people wearing uh, sweater vests uh, are uh, white supremacists. Have you been in Virginia in October? Everyone's wearing fleece vests. This kind of... If you win, how are you going to work with those parents who have concerns about schools yeah. across well, the Let's be very clear here. This is all generated by Glenn Youngkin. This is what MS-13, the Republicans used on Governor Northam four years ago when he was running. They try to find a divisive tactic. No, exactly. And Kristen Welker, you know, the issue of abortion now in the suburbs with suburban women in particular, because it's front and center in the Supreme Court, because of Texas, that's become an issue. Education. Glenn Youngkin is almost a textbook case of someone who's taken a cultural issue and arguably distorted it. That is the accusation. And according to all of our fact checking, you know, critical race theory is not taught in Virginia schools. It's not a big deal, but it's become you know, a cause of outrage in so many school boards. That's right. This race has been striking for that reason. Yes, they're talking about traditional issues like the economy, but here education is front and center. And McAuliffe is accusing Youngkin of trying to stoke the culture wars because he's talking about critical race theory, which, as you point out, we can't find that it's being taught anywhere. But it is resonating with some voters. I think Chuck touched on a really important thing that we're going to be watching for tonight, which is Democratic enthusiasm or lack thereof, if you talk to voters throughout Virginia, independents, Democrats, they will tell you that they're actually frustrated by what they are seeing and not seeing in Washington. The fact that the president hasn't been able to act on some of his agenda items. And so I'll be curious to see what, if any, impact that has. And then Chuck touched on the mayoral races. There are a lot of them tonight. And I think that's going to be fascinating to watch from Buffalo. Um, and Well, if you took a snapshot of the country right now, here is what you'd see. On the one hand, you have all-out war. As the American right and the party it has consumed, the Trumpist Republican Party, takes aim at every civic and cultural institution, from whether we live or die from COVID to our schools and history and democracy itself, banning books, senators defending Nazi salutes and unhinged anti-vax protests at school boards, and the most popular conservative cable news host going full Alex Jones, promoting a fringe conspiracy theory about the January 6th insurrection being a false flag. So that is all happening. One of the guests on Tuckum's show last night, shortly after he unveiled his propaganda to rewrite the January 6th insurrection, was Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate for governor of Virginia, the new poster child for the Republicans' current twisted priority of banning books when they're not trying to reenact Fahrenheit 451. Republicans are continuing to lose their minds over the Justice Department's effort to protect school board officials threatened with violence over race-conscious lessons and mask rules. When you have norm core supposedly Republicans like Glenn Youngkin, uh, who's running in Virginia, people like Ted Cruz, who used to be, you know, I'm a conservative, that used to be his thing, I'm a constitutional conservative, but they're now normalizing and rubbing elbows with open nationalism, white replacement theory, some really dangerous ideologies that are designed to whip up 
you know, particularly white men and working class white men, non-college white men. What we're seeing here is it, under the guise of free speech, a lot of the veneer of kind of respectability that that, that mainstream politicians and, and, and mainstream news platforms carry, you have actually now Holocaust minimization happening. I used to watch... Now, at this time in our first iteration of this show, I literally ran over a bunch of articles about how fucked up things were, how they were. And I think what's interesting is Just to try to win an election, because they don't want to give power up. Democrats are not good with the messaging that CRT is fake. They did everything. Anything they could think of. It's in law schools. Of course it doesn't. Listen, if people want to know what is being taught in your school. This report is $153 in donuts and the rest is a few ads. He only spent $5,000. He overthrew the Senate president that's been there for fucking ever. People were watching their kids online. But in the media, all you heard was rape is not real rape when it's a tranny kid. Has become the latest to weaponize something called critical race, race theory. Critical race theory is kind of, of it, it's become I, the new dog I, whistle, except you, you can actually hear it, so it's not really a dog whistle. Yeah, let's start there. Critical race theory not taught well, in Virginia schools, but it does show that Republicans are good. It's dishonest. It's not a good faith argument, but they are talented at branding. They're talented at making election about certain issues, even if they don't have any base in reality. The curriculum is not taught in Virginia schools, and McCulloch has called the tactic a racist dog whistle. What he calls critical race theory, even though it's not taught in Virginia schools. The notion that critical race theory is being taught in Virginia classrooms. A lot of these voters, Chris, weren't able to exactly articulate what that means. No one is pretending it didn't happen. In fact, I think when we whitewash history by getting rid of certain names and statues and people and Laura Ingalls Wilder references, then we forget. This is a post-factual error. It doesn't matter that it isn't taught in Virginia schools. It's this generalized attitude that whites are being put upon, and we've got to do something about it, we being white voters. A Fox News investigation has found the Virginia Department of Education recommended a controversial book in March 2020 to all stakeholders as part of its Ed Equity VA. On page 11, Love writes, lastly, teachers must embrace theories such as critical race theory. Uh, it's absolutely taught in Virginia. In fact, Terry McAuliffe promoted. If you win, how are you going to work with those parents who have concerns about schools. Yeah. Well, let's be very clear here. This is all generated by Glenn Youngkin. This is what MS-13, the Republicans used on Governor Northam four years ago when he was running. They tried to find a divisive tactic. Now remember, prior to this election, we were told they're going to win resoundingly. There's all sorts of polls that America now believes the elections was stolen in 2020. 52% 
believe it was fucking crooked as shit. There's polls that blacks now at 80% believe we need voter ID because they know things are fucked up. And people are starting to wake up that this is all fucking horse shit because that was his last rally. That's all that fucking showed up for McAuliffe. But you couldn't tell it. So the media jerk-off is gnashing of teeth. It's insurrectionist. It's America's going to end. You're all pieces of fucking garbage because you didn't vote the way they wanted. Attorney General Merrick Garland defending a Justice Department memo that reports a disturbing spike in threats of violence against school employees and board members. Now, to be clear here, this DOJ memo makes zero reference to domestic terrorism. Republicans are accusing the DOJ of treating parents like domestic terrorists for protesting school COVID restrictions and teachings about racial history in America. This is a memo to the Federal Bureau of Investigations saying, go investigate parents as domestic terrorists. Michael, we should be clear, there was a letter from the school board association that went to the Biden administration looking for help because clearly school boards have been suffering a lot of violent threats and a lot of tumult. Uh, but that was not what this Merrick Garland letter, or this DOJ letter said. What do you think of the way that the attorney general handled it? Too much of a gentleman, uh, frankly. I, I think that it, it, it demanded a little more forceful of a reaction. He should have said, are you blanking me? But John, here's the problem. The problem is that 50% of the country is going to walk away from this exercise because we know where they get their news, convinced that Merrick Garland did say that these parents are domestic terrorists. Listen, I'm most concerned about who will step forward and for little or zero pay want to be on the school board. And what I'm most worried about is that the people who will step forward and fill that void are the type of kooks who come out at these meetings and make threatening comments. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm for spirited debate, as you can tell also. But the people who go out and threaten school board members, they're the ones who will probably end up running for the school board. And that should worry all of us. We've had school board members on who have said, I had to resign. I was worried right. about the safety of my I children. Glenn Youngkin's interviews on Fox News, and he did nothing that Claire's, he did not. I mean, he worshipped at the altar of Donald Trump on Fox News. He flew an insurrection flag at his rallies. He simply didn't, he played dumb about a, 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 a Zoom rally. He did not really put much distance between himself and Donald Trump on the big lie or the deadly insurrection in which police officers were maimed by flagpoles. So I think that the, the real ominous thing is that critical race theory, which isn't real, turned the suburbs 15 points to the Trump insurrection-endorsed Republican. The critical race theory was a lie. And I think we need to go on the offense a little bit. And Terry McAuliffe tried to do this. Say it's a lie. They know it's a lie. But are you scared for your kids to learn about slavery or lynching or housing discrimination? Are we raising kids to be that weak? Like, I think sometimes we answer with facts that we don't believe people will believe these things. But they're not going to campaign on the level, Nicole. Uh, they are going to lie. They will say anything. Uh, if this is a boxing match, they're bringing heavier gloves and knives in their boots. Trump approved Republican Glenn Youngkin's closing message to Virginia voters has almost singularly, singularly fo focused on weaponizing race, stoking hysteria over the coded boogeyman of critical race theory, which is not currently taught 
in any Virginia public school. From promoting banning Toni Morrison's beloved, this epic novel, a Pulitzer Prize winning seminal work of American fiction that recounts the horrors of slavery, to casting himself as the candidate of so-called parents' rights, vowing to ban critical race theory, which again is not taught if elected. Again, it's not taught in any Virginia public schools. Critical race theory is just the most recent, more eloquent iteration of, of, of the Southern strategy, right? Whether it be crosstown busing, whether it be the welfare queen, whether it be defund the police, this original sin of America keeps evolving and critical race theory is, is, is the most, most latest and, and most eloquent, quite frankly, iteration of, of the Southern strategy in a way, quite frankly, to tribalize an election, to tribalize an electorate in a way to drive up, drive up the white vote. You may have the same view I have of, of critical race theory, which is it was a phony issue, where it certainly is in Virginia, where it isn't, isn't taught. But people believe what they want to believe. You know, we're still in the Trump era, right? You don't have to have the facts backing you up. If people want to believe what you say, they will believe it. That's right. Critical race theory isn't taught. It means something different to voters. They think it is. So Republicans are fixing it. Youngkin's going to ban it. And some of it is just a question for Democrats now. Do you adjust to a terrain that is not fair, that is not just, that is That's all right. fact-based, but that at this tonight looks like it advantages Republicans? Well, the problem that part of the, the Obama coalition, unfortunately, you know, are there are a lot of Americans who who don't want to deal with the history. They don't want to deal with it. And they might have voted for Obama, but they're in that too. But when confronted with the opportunity to say, who really was Thomas Jefferson? They don't want to. And the exit polls showed that, that, which was interesting, that the coronavirus or that the virus it was a very Has low was not importance to many yes, of the voters which there. Was it was education, right. which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching right. about race. And I mean, unfortunately, Race is just the most palpable tool in the toolkit. It used to be of the Democratic Party back right. in the day when they were Dixiecrats, and now of the Republican Party. It just is. They should be pressing the reset button, resetting on how they respond to these horrible racist uh, dog whistles from the GOP and the lies from the GOP, resetting on how they uh, sell their policies to voters and make sure that voters fully understand that they're fighting tooth and nail for them. The sweater vest, very nice soccer dad model that Youngkin has put out there, this new, like, I'm a palatable version who still says similar themes that Trump said, especially when he, we saw his closing argument about what he dubbed education, it was about race and and whiteness uh, when he put that out there people responded to it i think there's too much early celebration among republicans that glenn youngkin is the new mold the post-trump candidate um and the uh, and a way for the party to pivot it's gonna be very different next year for congressional and federal candidates in the house and senate to separate away from the former president youngkin basically ran on a number of lies uh, one of which is uh, critical race theory being taught. He was going to end it uh, being taught in our school. Well, it wasn't being taught in their schools. Uh, also, the Republican Party now is just a party of, they just tell lies. Uh, the, the election was stolen. The uh, in, in, insurrection was, uh, wasn't an insurrection. It was a false flag operation. Uh, I think we, we have to deal with that. I think we have to find an effective strategy to, to uh, have the American people understand that they're just, they have nothing but lying right now. Uh, Alex
Al, people showed up today in Dealey Plaza in Dallas because of a QAnon rumor that John F. Kennedy Jr., uh, who's been in hiding this whole time, uh, which is uh, mm -hmm. surprising to his family following his death in 1999, was coming back to us to somehow be Donald Trump's running mate. So that's where we are. We need to figure out a way to address these cultural wedge issues, the racial priming that Republicans have engaged in successfully here tonight, uh, the taking of fantasy land and making that uh, a politically quote unquote real issue like critical race theory that is anything but. They were turned off by Trump, but they are absolutely open to welcoming in this more palatable Republican who still uses the same racist themes that Trump did. He just packaged them in a soccer dad sweater vest model that I'm sure Republicans are going to try across the country in the midterms. And it's critical that Democrats come up with a response to that. That Well, I think what was very clear is that they were okay with the, the dog whistles of racism, and then they were able to center it very much on, on this they were flummoxed. They couldn't handle it. They had to play the race card. They lost their shit. This wasn't supposed to happen. Van Jones literally said that Yunkin is fucking variant something or other. And then they said, hey, Biden, you just need to start talking more about January 6th. Um, first of all, it's not over. Um, you do have the, the grassroots uh, folks out there uh, fighting for this on the Democratic Party side. The stakes are high. Uh, when this election is over in Virginia, we will know, have we seen the emergence of the Delta variant of Trumpism? The Delta variant of Trumpism. In other words, Yunkin, uh, same disease, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places. The suburbs, if they fall to him, you well, now That's have, implying that, yeah. that Yunkin is more dangerous than uh, well, the president, it, it, I, I, well, former well, president. No, no, more easy to spread. Okay. Because, oh. be, more, more easy, easy to spread. Because if you, if you look at what he's doing, he is playing footsie with the worst of Trump. He's, he's putting himself forward as a champion of parents. He's, he, this is a referendum on parents' rights. But he's not talking about, but he's, he's using the, all the critical race theory, uh, uh, head fakes and head nods, is a softer version of a very uh, uh, virulent kind of anti-black uh, 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 posture. And so I think we're, we're, uh, this is a very big deal because if this is a pathway, if you can flirt with Trumpism, if you can flirt with Trump and still put and, and still win in the suburbs, that's a new development for us. Scott, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just have to totally disagree with <laughs> virtually everything you just said. Tell me why. De I'll tell you why. Because Democrats since January the 6th, really since Donald Trump got elected, but let's go back to January the 6th, have demanded, asked for, begged for, pleaded for Republican candidates who would not do what you just said, which is, you know, embrace Trumpism and, and sort of run the kinds of races and style that he runs. Youngkin has rejected it. He has said it was wrong. He wasn't part of it. Donald Trump hasn't been in Virginia campaigning for him. In fact, there is a pent up demand, in my opinion, to make America boring again with standard issue run of the mill conservative Republican candidates like Glenn Youngkin and like the candidates who did well down ballot in 2020. So a Republican comes along and does exactly what everybody says they want, which is hey, let's have Republicans who don't act like Donald Trump, and you still beat them about the head and neck and claim they are Donald Trump. And then Joe Biden takes it a step further and says, hey, watch out, people wearing uh, sweater vests uh, are... Uh it shouldn't all be on the 1-6 Commission. It should also be on the Department of Justice. 
Why is it Merrick Garland screaming about this every single day? Why is it the president screaming about this every single day, at least from a symbolic standpoint? Nicole, I, I can tell you, before we even get even to the specifics of this, this is also, believe it or not, in a larger macro political sense, this is also why Biden's numbers are where they are. Those people who voted for him, those Americans who actually believe in this country, believe in democracy, including people who didn't vote for Biden but are certainly not insurrectionist terrorists, they feel like they got punched in the face on January 6th. They saw the whole country get attacked. And they want a president who's going to fight back. They want a president who talks about these terrorists the same way that we heard George Bush and Bill Clinton talk about terrorism for 20 years. They want to hear that about these people. It seems like they're being treated with kid gloves in a lone committee that has limited power, that's hamstrung by, by basically a whole bunch of Benedict Arnolds on the Republican Party is not going to be enough to keep us safe. There is nothing right now other than perhaps you know, the, the, the lone efforts of, of a couple of Capitol Police officers, there's nothing right now to keep Josh Hawley from you know, taking the chains off the back door and letting people sneak in like a high school shooter. I mean, that, that's essentially what we're looking at right now. And so that's why people are legitimately concerned about this. And I'll, and I'll close with this because I always think it's important. As Frank points out, you know, people were concerned about constitutional rights. No, these people were concerned about getting fired. They don't care about our democracy. If they did, they would have been more serious about this. And I swear, I don't hear anybody getting that concerned about constitutional rights when they're knocking black people's heads up against the wall for fighting for rights and justice. People that are writing books about grace and how we need to act better who left Twitter, who were moderate people back in the day. I'm not even talking to Nicole Wallace, who I don't know what the fuck happened to her. She ran for Republicans. She was a McCain advisor, who's now just a fucking moon bat. This is Kristen Powers. It's all dog whistles. There was all of this, you know, talking about critical race theory and and representing it as if it was happening in elementary school, which, of course, is not even being taught there. But it's there were a lot of these hot button cultural issues, I think, that um, that 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 Youngkin was really able to use to his advantage. Um, I don't think that that's right because I think it was misrepresented. But this this is now, I think, also the Republican playbook is is to use these issues to scare people, basically, um, a, a feeling out of control, you know, that, that everything's out of control with their children and they need to be protected from these people with this ad- demagogues and this agenda, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, let's be clear. Some of it was dog whistle. Yeah. Right? Some of it was... Uh, dog whistle racism. A thousand percent. But, but for a lot of voters, that's not what it was. It was more this, this anxiety when it comes to schooling, having had their children out of school for so long, and obviously those not being choices that they made, but that were dictated for them. They may have agreed with them, but many clearly disagreed. Yeah. I, I do think, and I, I've been saying this for a long time, I, I do think that a lot of times we look at these things and we we read a lot into them um, when, when my ultimate takeaway is that whether it's Democrats or Republicans, everybody's pretty unhappy. And- this article sums up the dog whistle. From Boston to Cincinnati, people of color won local histories. Do you know who's missing on this? The first ever... African-American female lieutenant governor of Virginia. But she's got an R behind her name. Joy Reid lost her shit numerous times about it. It was the end of days. That's the Dyson intro. So who's dog whistling? So are you only a minority when you're got an E behind your name? I have so many good 
fucking articles that I can't pull back up, but they lied. And they pushed a false thing that Americans aren't, they're just not good with anymore, all right? Most Americans, sans this stupid fucking um, infrastructure bill, they resurfaced Obama shit. And once again, my shit's broken. I'm going to have to reload the program. Linda's a working mother in Peoria. This is the life of Linda again. She works at a local manufacturing facility as a production worker and earns 40000 a year. She is pregnant with her son, Leo. Once again, we have to manually remove and add. Here we go. We're moving right along. Once Leo is born, Linda begins... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She begins receiving child tax credits of $300 per month. Basically, Uncle fucking Biden's hooking her up. But wait, there's more because we're just going to keep this through the cradle to fucking grave. Cradle to grave. The next one. As Leo grows up, the government helps cover the cost for his daycare, guaranteeing that Linda doesn't need to pay more than 7% of her budget. Oh, thank you, Uncle Biden. When Leo turns three, he attends a high-quality pre-K program. It's all free. The government takes care of him. When he fucking graduates, he gets to go to the free community college because uncle biden gave that thanks to his community college leo lands a good job in the oh yeah green energy that's that's what he wanted to do because he wants to save the planet we're all gonna die later in life linda needs home care and hearing care thanks to president biden's plan she got it we're all taken care of blah 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 what they missed is that he his friend who was a female got raped by some tranny and in kentucky they're doing lap dances for fucking teachers that didn't make the life of fucking linda but they pulled no stops so the media uh jerk off or did i already do our jerk off did i do our jerk off because once again, we're all fucked up. I already did the jerk off. Here's another fucking hypocrisy. I'll just do a hypocrisy segment. All of this is false and we'll end with Bloomberg posted that Grand Home thing. Business next, CNBC coming on here saying he's going to have to raise taxes on everybody. And an actual teacher saying, no, no, we don't call it CRT, but it's CRT. Christopher, that description there is an important one because Francis and Biden share, if you want to put it in political terms, sort of a liberal political view, right? And that's been part of their rapport. Uh, You've seen that in in messages about helping the poor, helping developing countries, even during the Trump years when Trump was talking about building walls, both Biden and Francis opposed. They said, let's bring down walls rather than put up new walls. are they a formidable partnership on these issues? Because at the end of the day, uh, these issues require global action. If you're talking about climate change, if you're talking about the pandemic response, can that make a difference, if you know what I mean? 
I think so. These are two world leaders at the top of their game, you know, with huge bully pulpit picks, if yeah. you will. And I think one of the things the Pope has tried to consistently say is, you know, there's a moral vocabulary that we share, not just if you're Catholic, but if you're any person of faith or no faith at all. You know, when you hear the president, he talks about human dignity, solidarity. These are sort of big idea concepts. And I think they're trying to see where they can find some synergy and work together on that front. Uh, Ambassador Diaz, uh, you have, well, Pope Francis has differences within the church, right? There are more conservative wings. You might say that he comes from the liberal wing, wing of the Catholic Church on, on many issues. Just as Biden himself has personal disagreements with the U.S. bishops over the question of reproductive rights, and there's a key meeting of U.S. bishops coming up in a couple of weeks when they're going to discuss this very issue. Tell us about the contrast, the, uh, a good point you've made between Biden's private faith and his public faith as a, as a politician who's a Catholic. To the degree that, that Biden's policies are able to address the care of our most vulnerable neighbors, to the degree that they're able to uh, policies in terms of health care, in terms of global health, in terms of conflict resolution, in terms of uh, addressing racism, xenophobia, and all the isms that plague our world, to that degree will Biden translate his faith into practice in a way that speaks not just to Christians, not just to Catholics, but really to our human family. And, and you know, and, and I may add that, that the Pope has called human indifference the greatest of all viruses. And I, I think that's important because um, we are in... It's really a stretch, uh, Jim, mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, this is a plan with an awful lot of carrots and not enough sticks. Uh, a lot of incentives, tax incentives for folks to maybe go out and buy an electric car. But there's no punishment for utility companies that don't switch off of coal or natural gas onto something cleaner fast enough. So you may be charging your electric car with coal, which really uh, defeats the purpose. And just to put it into perspective, that's $550 billion over 10 years. $55 billion a year is less than half of what the storms so far will cost the United States. We've had, it's not even, you know, it's, we're, we just started November, a couple months to go. Uh, the storm tally so far is well over $100 billion. So the cost of inaction, people are saying, would be stratospherically higher than anything we could do, to, you know, in the near term to sort of shore up for this and prevent the worst case scenarios for our kids. Coming into this, is there a sense that things are starting to change? Is there a sense that warnings, like we just heard from the UN Secretary General, that we're digging graves, is that starting to sink in more across the globe? You would think so, uh, Erica, to be sure. I think that there's an awful lot of Greta Thunbergs sitting at an awful lot of kitchen tables, not just in the United States, but around the world, uh, pressing their folks, their grand folks, uh, for answers on how this mess was made. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the urgency is compounded by every drought, every wildfire season that we're seeing, every big storm as well. But it's so much of this is, is, is human nature and how we're not equipped for this. And you don't get elected to public office or to a board of directors by saying, you know what, guys, we got to slow down on our consumption. We need to ease off on uh, cutting down the next forest in order to build another subdivision. That's just not how the financial structures of the developed world are set up. But that's what's the rub here, is you've got democracies that are hugely messy and difficult to get things down, uh, who are struggling to 
promises. You've got one-party governments like China, uh, because of a power crunch there, has tripled their coal capacity in, in recent years. And so it could be argued that the fate of we know it is in the hands of Joe Manchin and, and President Xi of China, uh, largely. But the hope here for the 30,000 delegates, presidents, prime ministers, scientists, even corporations hoping to, to put a green face on themselves these days, is, is we have to. That humanity has no choice but to... While the leaders of one party are trying to pass laws to help families, the leaders of the other party are engaging in election denialism, that's what Trump is doing, and riot denialism, that's what Fox is pushing out with Tucker Carlson overnight. It is a stunning difference between these two parties as we see whether Biden can get this bill through today. It is also incredibly sad uh, when you look at where things are. Uh Maya, I'm going to start with you because the abortion arguments are tomorrow. They are on Monday. Why, is the, why should we be watching with great interest this case on, on Monday? Well, it's wonderful to be with you, Jonathan. And I miss and love you, too. <laughs> but uh, look, the reason this is so important is it's kind of like uh, since we're we're approaching Halloween, so you know in scary movies when the scary music starts building and you know someone's about to get axe murdered? Mm -hmm. That's essentially the, the music we should be hearing right now before this Monday argument. Because what the, what's going to happen is two cases coming out of the Texas abortion ban, the bans on women's bodies that said, Okay, we as the state won't tell you you can't get an abortion, but we will just say anybody, whether they know you or not, whether they have any connection to you or not, can sue a provider and get damages because you want to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, and what that's done is brought virtually to a standstill all abortions in the state of Texas. Now, this case is going to be procedural, but what it's going to, but that procedure is important because it's going to determine whether or not the state of Texas can get away with intentionally trying to undermine a constitutional right that the Supreme Court upheld in mm -hmm. 1973 and say, we're going to pretend you still have the constitutional right, but we're gonna let states copycat this law and essentially create an end run around the constitutional rights of people mm -hmm. who otherwise would have right to abortion. Um, and that is gonna be a bellwether for what happens on December 1st when they take up the Mississippi case, right. which goes the direct run against Roe v. Wade. So that's why I say it's like the building horror music. All the provisions are made permanent. Elon Moy joins us right now. She's got more on what's been happening. And Elon, it sounds like there is so much in place still. Yeah, absolutely, Becky. Democrats are claiming that they've cut the price tag of their social spending package by more than half, but they're using some fuzzy math to get to that $1.75 trillion figure. Now, the most glaring example is a new plan for lifting the cap on state and local tax deductions. A source tells me Democrats are considering repealing it for five years, including retroactively for this year, but they pay for that by adding the cap back for five years at the end of the decade. Meanwhile, programs at the heart of their package end after just a few years. Universal pre-K lasts for six years. The Medicaid expansion is only four years. The expanded child tax credit lasts for just one. Now, Democrats are upfront about this. Their strategy is to create as many new programs as possible and then build public support for keeping them around. 
But as you said, if this social spending package were to be made permanent, the nonpartisan Penn Wharton budget model projects it would actually cost $4.1 trillion over a decade, and the tax increases that are supposed to pay for it would still only raise $1.5 trillion. Now, that's one reason that moderates are calling for a CBO and JCT score before they vote on this bill. And it's not just Senator Joe Manchin who is worried. Five House members are also threatening to withhold their support until there is an official score. Becky, five is not a big number, but it's still enough to sink the bill. Yeah, Back over to you. When, when you start getting into some of these details, it, it doesn't seem like they've resolved the issues that they have bringing both sides together because Bernie Sanders said yesterday that he is not going to support uh, lifting the salt cap for everybody, including billionaires. Maybe he would be there to compromise to say, okay, we can raise the limit, but he doesn't want to be giving tax breaks to, to really wealthy people. Yeah, I mean, if you include that full salt repeal, you could end up with a net tax cut, net tax cut for many millionaires. So, you know, that's sort of not making good on their promise to tax the rich. And by the way, if you add the cap back at the end of those five years, you could then end up increasing taxes on people making less than $400,000 a year, which would also violate another campaign pledge of the president's. So this is still very much up in the air. And I think a lot of folks feel like uh, after Joe Manchin came out and said that he wanted to sort of pump the brakes on this, that that sort of reopened up negotiations and gave them time to fight for programs and provisions that they want to see in there. Right. It feels like every time they get things sealed up, there's another leak in the dike somewhere and, and the hole pops over here or over there. Um, just shows you how complicated and messy some of this stuff can be. Elon, thank you. I'm the science coach and admin in the largest public school district in Indiana. I'm in dozens of classrooms a week, so I see exactly what we're teaching our students. When we tell you that schools aren't teaching critical race theory, that it's nowhere in our standards, that's misdirection. We don't have the quotes and theories as state standards per se. We do have critical race theory in how we teach. We tell our teachers to treat students differently based on color. We tell our students that every problem is a result of white men and that everything Western civilization built is racist. Capitalism as a tool of white supremacy. Those are straight out of Kimberly Crenshaw's main points, verbatim in critical race theory, the writings that formed the movement. This is in math, history, science, English, the arts, and it's not slowing down. If students of color have lower reading scores, it's because of inequity. Therefore, we take from the white students and give to the color students. That's Richard Delgado, straight out of CRT and Introduction. All teaching is political, with reality and facts taking the back seat. That's Dr. Gloria Ladson-Billings, who outlined how she saw critical race theory flushed out in public schools in 1995. When schools tell you that we aren't teaching critical race theory, it means one thing. Go away and look into our affairs no further. It isn't about transparency. It isn't about cultural relevance. It's race essentialism painted to look like the district cares about students of color. We call it anti-racism, so you feel bad if you disagree with our segregationist pedagogy. It's taking advantage of kids' vulnerability and parents' inactivity to preen over social snake oil schemes designed to create division. Parents, when we tell you critical race theory isn't taught in our schools, we're lying. Keep looking. They're losing their grass. I had an article about Tucker Carlson in a normal night, Tucker Carlson gets 4 million plus viewers. The average CNN show is 650,000 viewers. The average MSNBC show is 1.2 million viewers. He gets more people in the demo than they get all night. 
And because they're a moon bat culture that you ha- can't step out, you can't talk about how now for me it used to cost $30 a week for gas, but it's 40 and I'm doing fine, thank you, because of my military pension that I earned and my disability that I earned and the job that I work at. It's gone up 10 bucks. Gas is insane. That's with Kroger plus, plus points. I'm taking points. I'm getting 30 cents off. So they do an article on CNN and blue checks dog them. As the U.S. experiences lingering high inflation and severe constraints on the supply chain, families are being forced to deal with the consequences in their everyday lives. Evan McMorris-Santoro is live for us in New York City right now. Uh, Evan, you spoke with one couple about how this new economic reality is affecting how they feed their kids. What did they tell you? Well, Brianna, that's right. The important thing about this inflation right now is, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it's happening, but what's ha- the important thing is where it's actually hitting. And it's hitting things like the cost of shelter, the cost of gasoline, like where I am with this gas station behind me. Gas is up uh, more than a dollar since last year. And here in Manhattan, obviously, up more than that, but up more than 20 cents from even last month. And the other thing that inflation is affecting right now is food prices. These are things that you have to buy. So I went to Cannondale, Texas, to go shopping with a family to talk about what this actually means to live in America right now. All right, let's go tackle this. What does inflation mean for American families? This is the story of the Stotler's weekly shop. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. We have uh, two biological kids, and then my wife and I have a big heart for adoption, so we adopted a sibling group of two, then three, then one, and then we have a... uh, a kid living with us right now who's uh, kind of in a foster situation. It feels like money isn't going as far as it used to. Okay, let's see what we can do. I think probably in June, it was about a dollar's worth a dollar. So now that dollar is worth about 70 cents. All right, now we're moving on to dairy, which is right there. We started seeing everything going up. Grocery prices went up, gallon of milk was $1.99, now it's $2.79. Well, when you buy 12 gallons a week, times four weeks, you know, that's a lot of money. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks, brother. Again, this is what they buy every week. If you want to get any of these that are $1.79, you can pick five boxes worth. Grocery shopping means tough choices right now. We're not buying the most healthy stuff because that prices have gone way up. But I I feel kind of guilty sometimes we can't Mm -hmm. afford the really good things that would be healthier also. Okay, so P.F. Chang's is like the elite. So let's, let's you look. elite price or elite quality? Like both. Okay, so don't. So, <laughs> That's what we're so where are the family size meals? The Stotlers keep a close eye on their budget and they shop deals. This is 20 ounces, how many ounces is that? 24, so get that one. Krista loves a coupon. Buy this and get Rotel and chips free is what it's supposed to be. But these days, the family grocery list and the money they carefully plan to spend sometimes don't match. We're at $90 already and we've got a basket and a half left. But God is good and always provides, so let's see where we'll go. The math at the grocery store worked out. Okay, so I don't need this. We're gonna take that off and then we're gonna add these items. Awesome, guys, y'all did great. Then they had to add in the rest of the week shopping. That gets delivered. Oh, look, the Walmart stuff came. The grand total, $310. How much would you have spent maybe back in March to do the same thing? So probably we would have only spent probably about $150, $200. 
something like that um, in March because um, it, it was quite a bit less. The Stotlers are feeling the inflation squeeze to the tune of an extra $100 a week, they say. That's just for groceries. This family may be larger than many. Let's go through the line by birthdays. Whoever has October birthdays gets to go first. But they live the same middle class life as their neighbors. The squeeze is getting tighter, and that means that middle class life could be changing. If the prices keep rising the way they've been rising uh, through the next six months, what's going to happen to you know life in this house? If it continues, um, we're just going to have to get more creative um, and maybe pick up an extra job if we have to. Um, you know doing food delivery or you know something like that to, to help make up the difference. You can go down to you know beans and rice and still yeah. sustain uh, pretty economically. We don't want to have to do that. You want to you know enjoy what you're purchasing but there's another level you can get to just to make sure you make it through. In all of this we also find out after the election and if you haven't read Molly Hemingway's rigged you really need to read it. The stuff you find out about Wisconsin, people are going to jail. They cheated so fucking bad, it's insane. They set up absentee voting places where nobody could go see it. They didn't even announce what the address was. So there were no poll watchers. And in almost every city, even Fulton. Remember the media spun that they didn't stop counting, but they did. There's an email. It was found three months after the election. She said absentee counters will be back at 9 30 in the morning so it was all lies actual proof that every time they asked about how many were voted and how many left nobody would answer and it, they were so audacious that in front of poll watchers they said what do i say to them on a phone what's the lie Philadelphia, where they literally stopped counting so they could manufacture shit. It was everywhere, folks. And people know it was everywhere. And then you find out the Durham probe has now proven what we said from the fucking beginning. And I said on this show, Hillary was in Russia and Ukraine trying to find dirt on Trump. They manufactured a bunch of bullshit. The media knew about it and floated it so they could get wiretaps that all proved to be bullshit. But at the end of it, the Federal Bureau of Investigating Republicans only literally knew it was all false. So when they said there was no nothing wrong, they didn't say that the Hillary campaign did. People are getting arrested. They manufactured it. Four years, two bullshit fucking impeachments. The media, the Federal Bureau of Investigation were all in on it, and they don't even report that Durham has now found it was the Clinton campaign who financed it all, which we already knew through fusion. I mean, we're going full circle on bullshit. Here's Greg Gutfeld. They're afraid you'll clap because they're full of crap. Yeah, the latest list of woke demands bans the act of clapping hands. Debates at local school board meetings have grown heated as parents push back against COVID restrictions and the teaching of CRT. At the center of this is Douglas County, Colorado, named after Douglas County, Georgia. (laughs) 
That's not true. I just threw that in there because it sounded funny. Where in an effort to make things safer, they're trying to ban clapping. Audience, again, I'm sorry, McKinley. That five-year-old girl. McKinley, if I could just have you stop again. Audience, this is the second time I've had to pause. I've clearly stated the expectations. We cannot comment. It makes it an unsafe environment for someone who has a different perspective. <laughs> and I will take a break if we need to for you to get yourselves to a place where we can make sure this is a safe place for everyone. There it is again, the word safe. Anytime you want to shut someone down, claim it's about being safe. We want you to be safe, so please keep your mask on at all times, even outside. To ensure your safety, we removed all gun emojis from your smartphone. And so we can all be safe. We banned Greg Gutfeld from the Planet Fitness Sauna. <laughs> oh, clap for that. I didn't know that you have to wear a towel. So, so now it's clapping, right? But sorry, back in the day, if you wanted to be somewhere with zero clapping, you had to go see Brian Kilmeade do stand-up. Because <laughs> they were too busy laughing. <laughs> Thank you. you. You sure did clear out those homeless encampments. <laughs> but seriously, first it was silence is violence, then words equal violence, now clapping is unsafe. I haven't seen such fake outrage since Rachel Dolezal ran out of Afro Sheen. <laughs> no wonder parents are pissed. Seriously, banning clapping? Who is that protecting? Imagine where this is headed. So, Brendan, as you know, you were caught clapping in my classroom. Do you know how many clapping-related COVID deaths there were in 2020? Zero. Okay, well, yeah. 2021 isn't over yet, pal, okay? And as your math teacher, I have one principle. Clapping causes division, okay? And I won't let it multiply. Isn't Mr. Daniels the principal? Principal, not principal. Okay, you know what? All right. If you're going to show approval from now on in my class, you do this. Hmm. Don't let him touch. Hmm. Try it. Hello, FBI. My student is a terrorist. No. Nope. I have to say, Kat, that is some amazing acting by our producer, Tom, a 40-year-old playing a 20-year-old college student. <laughs> He's seen some you know stuff It's that... kind of like Welcome Back, Cotter. Yes. We realized those guys were shaving in 11th grade? I know, I know. Uh, that was a great show. It was. It really was. Based on a true story, he went back to the Sweat Hogs after getting out, and that was his ticket back. I don't think I asked for a description. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I understand. Do you even know what applause sounds like? No idea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't... Because I am not so insecure, I have to hire people to clap for me. <laughs> <laughs> no! No, 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 you're all out of here. All right. You know what's worse than clapping? Okay, so I know Kat knows that. You must know this, because you were in college like 20 years ago. This, Ugh. this stuff. Graduating People who do this. You, did you have that? Snap, in yes. I hate that. Yes, and I also hate using words like, you know, unsafe when you, I guess what they mean is uncomfortable. But for me, I think it's the opposite. To me, nothing is less comfortable than being in a room full of people and I have no idea how any of them feel about anything. Oh, that, yes. That's scary, and it makes you paranoid. Like, okay, can I say this? Can I say this? What are they, well, how are they going to react if I say this? Can I be myself, or do I need to hide my everything that I am? Ooh. And if people are clap, it's tough, Harris. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not for everyone. I'm more of like, you know, I'm like a, a 
you know, like different. A special, <laughs> like special, like cult following maybe, but I'm not like, you know, I could not probably host a morning show like you do. But I will know that in certain rooms <laughs> and I will tone it down. If I don't know, then, then that is a, that's a, that actually might be unsafe for me. That I could get fired. I never thought about that, but I did a speech at a like a, what do you call it a chamber of commerce thing in Wisconsin, and I did my normal thing, and that was I was up there and I'm going like holy crap, I think this is the wrong crowd. <laughs> but, then, but then that gives you an opportunity to be like, all right, let me pretend to be somebody else real quick. I was, <laughs> but boy, was I right. It was the wrong crowd. They tried to unpay me. <laughs> Wait, I remember the story. Yes, yeah, they, that's true. They tried to unpay me. They had a newsletter and they wrote about it because I swore. Oh. I think I said, oh. whatever. Which you can't do on the Faulkner Focus. No, you can't do that <laughs> on you the Faulkner Focus. Yeah. We love Cat Temp. Yeah. I, I didn't know you had all that other stuff going on, though. Oh, like what? The paranoia? <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is why we do not know. This is why this side wants decriminalization. Because we need it. <laughs> Professor, so, when, you do, when, you speak, when, you, when you do your classes, do, anybody, do, you, do you have the same anxiety? When, uh, when you're looking out that people are, are, are they understanding what I'm talking about? Of course, I, I worry whether they understand or not, but they can clap or not clap. Uh, most of the time they don't clap because I'm not funny. So that's <laughs> It's made me laugh, I guess. Yeah. That was a laugh. Uh, I, I would think a couple of things. Is this the real cat? This is the real you though, right? Well, no, I, the problem is I don't have a way of really pretending. Oh. I'm too impulsive. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, it's always better to know where you stand. Mm. It's gotcha. scarier to be like, what did they think about what I just said? And then, because you have to think about it at night when you're trying to fall asleep. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I wish I actually had that going on. Really? Because what I have going on is expressing everything that I'm feeling, every moment I'm having it. Yeah. I, according to my husband. But then you do. But you worry about it later or no? No. Okay, that second I part I, I need help with. It's unscripted. Wait, I really don't. Wait, <laughs> I really don't. Professor. I wish I did. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> she says everything that she thinks, and then she doesn't think about it. Isn't she a sociopath? <laughs> Am I? I mean, can you diagnose right? me right now? No, I, I can't say that. No. <laughs> oh, no, you just don't want to say it for free. <laughs> I've never seen a host try to get the panel to turn on each other. <laughs> you you want to see a fight. Hey. Jerry Springer used to host his show and then run behind the audience. I'm, the same I'm too lazy to be Jerry Springer. I want people to turn on each other while sitting. I know. You don't, you don't want to be inconvenienced. I know. I know. All right. Do you want me to go? Where are we going? I don't know. Yeah, she was teasing. If you've been with the show, we covered that in 2016. The clapping. Really? We now have school boards saying that when p parents come, it was a mini insurrection. That's actual statements. Mini insurrection. They lost because they pushed too far. And Molly Hemingway agrees. I don't think even the whole, you know, taking down the statues, which... Again, the left embraced as so, oh great, we're making such progress, we're ripping down statues. Robert E. Lee's hidden in some museum, and then Teddy Roosevelt in New York. They thought that was progress. But what they didn't understand, a lot of people didn't like it. And polling guru from UVA, uh, Larry Sabato, uh, he went into full meltdown mode earlier tonight, watch. The issues 
that Youngkin was running on, you may have the same view I have of, of critical race theory, which is it was a phony issue, which certainly isn't Virginia, where it isn't, isn't taught. But people believe what they want to believe. You know, we're still in the Trump era, right? You, you don't have to have the facts backing you up. If people want to believe what you say, they will believe it. So he's full on to the deplorables. Back to the deplorables, Molly, with Larry Sabato's crystal ball smashed on the floor again tonight. Yeah, I'm glad he's kind of outed himself as as a left winger, uh, as opposed to pretending that he was impartial. But this is what the McAuliffe campaign kept saying, was that people were delusional to think that critical race theory was taught in their schools, even though it was officially taught in Virginia schools. But I also think what parents are saying is that all of this oddness that left-wing uh, partisans are pushing on America, they want to reject all of it, the hatred, the divisiveness, you know, the hatred for the country, being told that our, our republic is is um, irredeemably racist and evil relative to other places. That is no way to have a future for a country or for a people working together. And people are very sick of it and they are rejecting it. And unfortunately for Democrats, that's a big part of their messaging. You know, this was a big part, defund the police and other left-wing ideologies was a big part of what they ran on in 2020. And a lot of their progressive caucus is still pushing it. There were five cities uh, across the nation that had defund the police measures up for a vote today. Um, and I'll be curious to see how those go, but I'm hearing that they're going down in flames as well. Now, another flashback to McAuliffe's parade of uh, fools. Biden predicted McAuliffe would win just a few days ago. We're going to win. I think we're going to win in Virginia. I've not seen any evidence that whether or not I am doing well or poorly, whether or not I've got my agenda passed or not, is going to have any real impact on winning or losing. Mark, he lands in about. The reality is, folks, they attacked parents because now parents know. There was an ad that came out during this election cycle that they wouldn't let air because of the books they let little kids see in school. They were too vulgar and were censored. So they refused the ads. And it was all manufactured. COVID became the way they could get the election because they knew they didn't have anybody who wanted to vote for fucking Biden. There was no excitement. Blacks, Latinos were impeding on the percentages they need to win elections. So they grabbed COVID, which didn't let our kids go back to school, which let the kids go home, let parents see the slime they're teaching kids from critical race theory to graphic blowjob color uh, picture books for kids. Parents get pissed. Black, Latino, it doesn't matter. They call them terrorists. It's based on bullshit. McCullough says it's fake. The media try as much as they can to say CRT isn't a thing. McCullough's the best guy. Build back better, yada, yada, yada. And they lose. A fucking truck driver who spent $150 on donuts and 5000 total wins and beats a career politician. America's pushed back, and it's only going to get worse. The infrastructure bill that comes in, you won't see that goddamn money. It's not going to help you. 50,000 charging stations for a uh, what, 4% of cars on the road are fucking electric? We need gas. Fixing the grid. We already saw how they fixed the grid in Texas. 
They put it on fucking wind power and fucking solar panels, and then they froze their ass off. And 13 Republicans stepped over, all moderates, to help the Democrats pass the reconciliation of the bill. They helped him. $1.7 trillion more dollars. Inflation is through the roof. Eggs, milk. They just laugh at it. It's all a laugh. And so just like 2016, would have been 2020 if they didn't cheat. That being fortifying the election and letting fucking Facebook spend $500 million to run polling stations in blue cities to ensure that they won by the slim margins they got. They don't learn anything. The media doesn't learn. They're just going to keep calling you a racist. They're going to keep calling you out of touch with the American populace. But the American populace, I don't care if you're a three-dicked Martian who's non-binary. You're feeling the gas. You're feeling the food. You're feeling your electricity bill go up. You're feeling it costs more for fucking everything as boats sit off in the ocean and they blame Trump or they blame COVID or they blame racism or they blame something. Or as the latest secretary said, uh, we don't fix that. That's the private sector. You finger fuck everything in the fucking private sector, from churches to fucking gun ownership to gun stores. You're going after gun stores because they put Let Go Brandon on a fucking selector switch. Really? You, the people who said you were stopping fascism by being fascist, burning cities down, and are still clinging to the fucking January 6th bullshit that was probably executed by FBI informants. Because there is no proof anybody organized and did anything. The actual assault on the Capitol was happening while Trump was still speaking, which is what it said all along. HBO said it. And Tucker Carlson's. It's all a farce. It's all a farce, but the reaction is everything you need to say. It's everything you need to know. The left will double down on liberal shit, and if the American people... Don't continue to step up. These motherfuckers will retain control. And that's what doesn't need to happen. This Build Back Better infrastructure is not the human stuff where they get free everything. The life of Linda. If they get that, they will rule forever. They tried for the eighth time to take over federal elections so they can fortify them like 2020 and everybody has to mail in ballot and we mass mail and anybody gets to vote. No verifications. It's all coming. And with fucking 13 Republicans helping on the infrastructure, eventually these people who want to retain power in their perfect little district where they don't lose power. I mean, I think Tucker Carlson is dangerous to the system because he's the only one that goes on TV every night and goes, what the fuck are Republicans doing? I'm not a Republican, but what are they doing to stop any of this? Any of it. They didn't get on to CRT until enough brown faces started talking about it. That's when it hit their Twitter feed. They went, oh, I'm going to get on this.
And the USA Today, I put the picture up again, is the perfect analogy. The real fucking racists are the media and the Democrats. Normal Americans don't give a fuck what you fuck, what you look like, or anything. They just don't like assholes. We're all bigots against assholes. But the media will not recognize when a person of color, a woman, non-binary, lesbian, fuck, it doesn't matter. They have that R behind their name. They don't qualify for the accolades. So, this wraps up a fucking fan. I had a great podcast. It was really good. A lot of slides, great freaking stories. I apologize. You guys have been so loyal. I've been watching listens to nothing because I couldn't do it at Wednesday. Gigi wanted to go out. So uh, this coming Wednesday, the, uh, the 10th, I'll do another podcast. I'll make sure the mic's aligned with Windows 11 and we won't do this cliff-noted version where I reinserted audio into what I already recorded. And for that, I apologize. So, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. Tune back in on the 10th for a real show that isn't fucked up. And I thank you all for listening. See you next time.